Utah and aliens and a monster and a lady and then Utah history. How is this all going to hold together? Sort of popped into my head that maybe there's a monster in the Great Salt Lake because like it, you know, the Great Salt Lake's so weird anyway. Like there's just not a lot of salt lakes. And the fact that it's in Utah, which like Utah is very weird on its own, just the culture and history and everything that's happened here and, you know, continues to happen. Like, what if there was a monster in this lake that as this lake has shrunk, it's just, this monster's just been viewing everything and the history, but underwater. Hi, this is Case Johnston. This is the Utah Humanities Book Festival podcast. We yet to have a name for that, but we should have it by the time that this podcast comes out. Today, we're interviewing Natalie Padilla-Young. She is the author of the new poetry collection, All of This Was Once Underwater. Uh, Natalie co-founded and manages the poetry magazine Sugar House Review. By day, she works as an art director for a Salt Lake City ad agency. Her poetry has appeared in Green Mountains Review, Tampa Review, Rattle, South Dakota Review, Los Angeles Times, Tar River Poetry, Terrain, and others. Natalie grew up Mormon in Utah with a Puerto Rican mom and a dad who is a direct descendant of Brigham Young. Natalie serves on the boards of Utah Arts and Light Scatter Press. She lives in Southern Utah with poet Nano Taggart and two dogs. You can find her at natalieyoungarts.com or follow her on Instagram at pickledbeats with a double S on the end for many pup pics, which I need to do because I, I'm, I, I am a, I'm a puppy guy. So when I, you know, I've known about Natalie and her work for quite a while, actually. I mean, we kind of know the same people, but we hadn't met until I went down to uh, Cedar City. Like, what was it? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Something like that? Two or three weeks ago. <laughs> it, I know. It seems, it seems longer. Honestly, it does. It's been, life has been busy. But today we're going to talk about her collection of poems. All of this was once underwater, which I had the pleasure of reading over the last week. First off, let's talk about it. It's, it's beautiful. Like, this is a beautiful book. Uh, the artwork is beautiful throughout. And I just kind of got stuck on some of the artwork too. Natalie, can you talk to us about the artwork, how that came together? And, and you know, I mean, how did, how did that come together? Yes, I agree with you that the artwork is really amazing. Um, it's by an artist, a German artist named Max, Maximilian Spies. And Quarter Press, who is the press who published my book, all of their books, they are illustrated. So they hire an illustrator and then the illustrations are created specifically for that book. So once I had the contract with uh, Quarter Press, we started looking at styles that might work for the poems and some illustrators that might work. And Maxi had uh, contacted Quarter Press and and said, I'd like to work with you if you ever have anything that, and here's my portfolio. So we went and looked at it and we saw some of her samples, the line work just really felt like it might work with what was going on in my book. So then it just went from there, the press contacted her and then she, we started emailing and she sent some sketches pretty quickly. And right from the get go, I was really excited about what she was doing. And, um, She's never been to Utah. Like I said, she lives in Germany, and I just think she did an amazing job both with fitting Utah 
in there and then also making them match the feeling of the poems. Yeah, it is really, really brilliant. It actually surprises me that she hasn't been here. I mean, because the artwork really, I mean, Brandon can see it here. It is just, it feels like Utah in so many ways. We get their colors of Utah. It's the, it's the Utah's palette. It's, it's really, really beautiful. So a shout out to, to the artist. Um, but the artist had a lot to work with, with your poetry. So that's, that's something too. And I was on, uh, Natalie's website. It was probably, it's probably been a few weeks and I love this. Natalie is half Puerto Rican and half Brigham Young. Just, that's just, that's it. I wanted to steal that so badly. That's quite the combo. It is quite the combo. <laughs> um, I wanted to steal that so, so badly because as as you know, like I'm half Mexican-American and, and then the Johnston side, you know, we were some of the first settlers of Hurricane. Um, and so I feel that and I wanted to steal it kind of, but I can't now. Yep. And I'm not a direct descendant of Brigham Young, so I can't do, I can't do either. Um, but Natalie, this this book is so, it's so Utah. It really, really is. And even the title, all of this was once underwater. The great part about this podcast is it's going, you, you have a Utah audience right now. And so they, everybody knows when you say all of this was once underwater, what we're kind of talking about. But can you jump into it? Yeah. So I think, like you're saying, most everybody knows that the Great Salt Lake was once much larger and all of Utah and more was underwater. And so that was Lake Bonneville. And then before that, it was the ancient sea. So yeah, so a lot of our national parks are, they look like figures and formations that could be underwater because they were. So there, um, I think if there's anything like in this book, there are some very specific characters, three of them. And then I would say if there's another character, it's water and like the, the lack thereof or the presence of. Yeah. And like you said, water in Utah is not only is it rare, but it holds so much weight, literally metaphorically to all of us. You know, it really holds so much weight when we, when we think about water in Utah, when somebody picks up the book, when they look at the title, I don't know if you want this, but how do you want them to read it? Do you want that title to influence the collection? And I find this with poetry is really important. I don't, I don't think it, it, it's as important with fiction and nonfiction, but I think with poetry, it really is as, as if it's the first line of your collection. Yeah, that's really interesting. I do, I do think a title is really important. And you're probably right, maybe more so in poetry than other genres, though I'm not exactly sure why. I would say that this title came about quite a ways before I was actually finished with the collection, though I had quite a bit of it done. And it comes from a line in a poem in in the collection, as a lot of titles do. But And I, I had thought about shortening it because it is kind of a long title. But in the end, it just really felt like it should be should be what it is and partially because it is literal that it the the uh, book is based in utah with scenery and history of utah and then mixed with speculative fiction but i think more than literal it's also metaphorical because there's a lot of um there's a lot of feelings emotions faith that it that ends up kind of being underwater throughout the book yeah, it's a beautiful. I don't think you could shorten it. 
I don't know what you would short it to. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't know. Maybe it's because I've already read it and I know it, and it, I think it's perfect. So I, you know, I don't think you could shorten it. That just, that seems silly, Natalie. That just seems silly. Um, you know. Well, that's what, um, that's what my husband, who's also a poet, yeah. Nano Taggart, said to me. He's like, "No, you cannot shorten it," because yeah. I kept running different versions of the title <laughs> by him. And he's like, "No, I feel strongly." Yes. Yes. Well, he's got it right. Okay, so you talked earlier, too, about the three characters in the book. And there are three characters throughout the book, and they come across, like, within different poems, mostly. Um, and the book has a certain kind of format to it between the poetry. You know, we get these, we get the Utah complications, or we get the, 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 the monster laughs at the accounts. So we have the monster, right? And the monster was really intriguing to me. and you know, where, where did the monster in the poetry come from first off? And did you make a kind of very purposeful decision to keep, keep that, that panaphor, keep that metaphor going throughout the book? Or was it something like, as with my fiction, it's like, once I write a character I like, it's just going to come. Like, I can't do anything else about it. That character is going to take over. And it always happens that I start with a male protagonist and a female protagonist comes in and bam, male protagonist dies. Was this a conscious decision while you, while you were drafting all these poems or not? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I, the monster is an intriguing character and he's probably my favorite of the thing that's happening in the book. The monster, I don't even... So the whole thing started with a uh, dream basically i had a dream and dream poems aren't very interesting but it's just sort of like some details from the dream got put in a poem and then my writing group really liked it and felt like it was a lot different than what i had been writing and that i should keep writing in kind of a apocalyptic vein and i had never written a series of poems before but it kind of because people were really interested and I was like, okay, well, let's see where this goes and what would be in an apocalyptic like environment. And I just sort of popped into my head that maybe there's a monster in the Great Salt Lake because like it, you know, the Great Salt Lake's so weird anyway. Like there's just not a lot of salt lakes. And the fact that it's in Utah, which like Utah is very weird, on its own, just the culture and history and everything that's happened here and, you know, continues to happen. Like, what if there was a monster in this lake that as this lake has shrunk, it's just, this monster's just been viewing everything and the history, but underwater. So, I don't know, I couldn't, yes, I think I just couldn't let the monster go once I had written a book a couple poems and started thinking about his character and what, what would he be thinking about? What, what, you know, I guess when you start thinking about any character, the same sort of questions popped into my head about him and what he could be. And, and he was just a lot more interesting than a human character to me. So I guess, yeah, I just couldn't let him, let him go. Yeah. And it, I, I, I'm with you. I was like, the monster poems were my favorite. I loved all the poems. You know, I, I sat down Sunday morning and read the book straight through, 
you know, I mean, it was, I just, it was, it was perfect. My son was still sleeping, you know, had coffee and I read, I read the, the book straight through and I just really, I really, really enjoyed it. Especially some of the snippets about Great Salt Lake from the past, you know, I mean, that was really, really, really cool. And well, and, and, and put in the right spots between, between poems. Um, can you read as a monster poem? Yes. No, so for everybody else there, I did not warn Natalie she was going to read. So just, you know. Um, okay. So if you're yes, ever coming so- on the podcast, be ready. No, no, it's my fault. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will throw things at you. Yes, okay. Okay, so I'm going to read a poem. It's called An Ambush of Major and Minor, The Monster Stings. And this one has an illustration that goes with it, and it's one of my favorite illustrations in the book that has, since none of you can see this, it is an illustration of, some skeletal pioneers that um, with a wagon wheel and then a horse skeleton that could be a sea monster has some scales on it. So, and like I said, this monster has been in the Great Salt Lake for centuries. So it's witnessed, he has witnessed a lot of history. An ambush of major and minor, the monster sings. An underwater witness, he felt the wagons and handcarts the Mormons rumbling, the valley, and knew everything about their new ground. Knew the square inches riddled with salt had once been his living room. He felt the building, the thunks and thuds of lean-tos and pews, the swift start of empire. He heard generations and prayers being made, heard their songs, the combined power, hundreds of voices singing Zion, one giant desperate beauty. Over a hundred years, and still the notes linger, just below the surface, knock his chest in sleep, tumble from his mouth as he swims, pains of faith and cheer on repeat. These songs he sings to a thrumming, a plug, to an end. Thank you. We're finger snapping in the... (laughs) in the studio here. Um, Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so with this poem, this is a really interesting poem. It, it kind of, I think, I, I remember this one very, very specifically because of one line. And that line was the thunks and thuds of lean twos and pews, the swift start of empire. Now that's a cool line. That's really, really cool. Um, can you open that one up for us just a little bit? Uh, because that one, that, I remember that line very, very specifically. So I'm glad you, you read that poem. Yeah, well, I was just, like I said, imagining the, the monster, how it must have been to, of course, there were indigenous people in Utah before the pioneers, the Mormons came over. But the Mormons, you know, were trying to stay in one place and establish their Zion. So um, I just imagined him under the water, hearing them building with you know their initially some makeshift things their lean-tos and then their pews their churches because i'm sure that was one of the first things they started making uh permanent was the church buildings and then of course empire you know the mormons utah's it's their mecca it's their zion it's their they built an empire here yeah i mean and well, the, what I thought was super, super cool about it was the concrete of it all, you know, the, the thunks and thuds, you know, the actual building, literal, the literal building of pews. And then the, the shift to 
the abstract or the the larger picture of empire and and you do it again in the the next line is he heard generations and prayers being made generations being that concrete there's literal generations and prayers being the abstract i lo- i love the mix of those that concrete and the abstract in one line the thuds of literal pews and what do the pews turn into the pews turn into empire as natalie describes it so thank you for sharing that describe the other two characters that outline the book for us please Yes, so there is also a human woman and an alien. So there are space aliens living in Utah. And uh, the human woman kind of ties the uh, monster and the alien together because the alien and the monster never have any contact throughout the book. But the woman (laughs) is in a relationship with the alien and then she's really obsessed with trying to find some evidence of the monster. And so it, it's this merging of, how did you say it before? Uh, speculative fiction and poetry. Yeah. 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 Speculative fiction and then like actual scenery and history of Utah. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting about poetry though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, <laughs> the interesting part about poetry is, I don't know. Do we have to define it? We don't have to, right? Like fiction, we have to say, are you telling the truth? No. Nonfiction, are you telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing my best. Yeah. I'm trying really, really hard to tell the truth. Yeah. But poetry, you can just, we don't have to define it. We can move between aliens and monsters and the woman and it, it's all true. Does that make sense? Genre wise? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I did have um, a friend slash um, old professor of mine. He read it and he's like, I don't even know what genre this is. See, I wouldn't really call it poetry, but I mean, I, I think it is poetry for sure. But yeah, there's some interesting things, I guess, happening that you may not necessarily see in in. Uh, most people's poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But most people don't come from Utah. And I, yeah. I mean, I mean, they, they don't. Sure. And that's what, you know, this, this book is very, very, it was Utah. It was landscape and it was beauty and it was people and it was the lake and it was brine shrimp and brine casings. And it was, you know, one of the lines in the, in the book is about maybe we could, you know, like cultivate or put, put animals in the lake or whatever. And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, people really <laughs> thought that, you know, um, you know, it's so Utah. I love it. And I think it's, that's one of the reasons why I want to do it for one of our few six podcasts for the book festival is because this is, this is a Utah book. I mean, it really, really is. So, which makes me, well, not makes me, I kind of would love it if you read, um, uh, a Floridian says I could never live in a place like that because I think this speaks to a lot. Why haven't I read this? It's a really good book. I've just, no, I just barely, Natalie, when does this, when (laughs) does this come out? Uh, I think it officially came out in March. Yeah, it's barely out. Okay. Okay. It's, it's still the book birthday year, you know, it's still the year. So yeah, it's really, Brandon, you'd love it. You'd love it. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. So you don't have, you can say no, Natalie. You know? No, no, no. I'm, I am happy to read this. I do think this, it start, it's one of the poems at the very beginning of the book, and I mm-hmm. do think it kind of sums up what's, what you're about to experience with the rest of the book. 
like Kay said, it's a Floridian says I could never live in a place like that. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And my friend, who is also a poet and a Floridian, said literally said that to me <laughs> when I was telling her about Utah. So. Yeah. I've heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I would, I I visit Florida all the time. Yeah, I don't. I might say the same thing about Florida. I love visiting. Yeah. I don't know if I could live there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think I I agree with all of the like a, a Florida man. All those stories. Where you're like, yeah. of course it was a Florida man. Yeah. It's never a Utah man. <laughs> until until it is. Until, until it, it is. is. Yeah. Oh man, it's gonna happen tonight. <laughs> All right. Yeah. A few creeks scattered about, the sound of rounded pebbles and mallards behind gates, a set of sprinklers, the bathroom faucet, the only ways to wet July knuckles. An instant after Brigham Young decreed in high fever, this is the right place. A number of his saints said no spun their wagon wheels and blistered heels against cracks in the dirt to return east or urge their oxen forward to promises of something gold something moist this place is a high mountain desert a desert the aliens don't care how many pollens itch the throat or if you see begonias that thrive those things stay alive because someone hoses them down every day Every day, someone hoses them down. Thank you. I mean, this, this, you're right. This poem, why I dog-eared it, it brings up so much. It really, really does. It brings up what people think of Utah, you know, this kind of outsider view. of And I, you know, I grew up in Utah. I grew up in Ogden. I love Utah. You know, you're, you grew up in Bountiful, correct? Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah I grew up in Bountiful. I mean, we've probably all seen the movie Trip to Bountiful. Um, if you haven't, you know... <laughs> don't um but um you know but this 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 poem really there's there's so many elements in this i mean there really is first off the big one is water it really i mean this is this is water i mean it is the only way to wet your knuckles in july it is the, those the begonias that thrive they only thrive because we keep them alive just like all of our grasses in utah that are non-native that we keep alive you know and that really hits home to so much about this state that was once underwater. That's the really, really intriguing, intriguing part about it is now we're at this, we're at this high desert, a high mountain desert, but it's still a desert. Like, like if you look at that stanza, this place is a high mountain desert, a desert. It's a two line stanza on purpose, right? That is supposed to be, you know, it's, it's highlighted that this is a high mountain desert, but the high mountain doesn't change anything. You know, Natalie's going to cut out all of that stuff and just say a desert. It's still a desert. Right. So we're, it's all about water. It is so much about water and dryness and, you know, Brigham Young coming here and saying, this is the right place. And, you know, and, and, you know, we joke about that because it's like, we see this gigantic lake and the LDS faith, Brigham Young, they find, and it's not freshwater, you know, it's, it's salt water. And I mean, First off, what a disappointment. Um, you know, I'm just wondering how long it took him. It's like, this is this place looks great. I and know, then I 20 know. minutes later, you know, I you're know. like, ooh. Uh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know. It's, it's really, what a disappointment. Um, but, I mean, I love Utah, you know, but, th- but this hits home to I could never in a place like that. And, but we do and we love it. And it's part of us. And the desert is part of us. Like, the desert is so much a part of me. You know, I, don't, I can... 
I can't write a thing without writing about the desert. I can't write, you know, the desert is, is part of me. The landscape is a part of me. And that's what makes us Utah. It doesn't it? I mean, it's just the dry, the salt, the mountains, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, the red detritus on it our makes shoes. makes your humor too. It does. Yeah. yeah. Dry and dry, salty. Yeah. Dry and salty. <laughs> um, but no, I just love that poem. It's, you know, I just, and the whole part, like, you know, going from, there are a few creeks. I have a friend who comes from uh, Oregon. He's like, that's not a river. That's not a river. Like, if, <laughs> you know, I would take him to Weber or Ogden and it's like, that's not a river. That's a creek. He says creek. Yeah. I the creek. But it's, a, it's such a beautiful poem. And I just, I, I loved it. And that's one of those ones that, you know, define, like you said, it defines the rest of the book. With that, when you're making a decision to put this collection together, right? Um, and this always baffles me with poets. Like, I, I am not a poet. I am, I'm not a poet. I, I don't get it. I've tried. And I'm just not, I can't do it. When you're putting this collection together, how much of the shaping came while drafting and how much of the shaping came later? Like, because it's very specific. I mean, this poem is, what's, what's the word? The, the poem, or the book is very, very precise in its layout. Yeah. So uh, when you say shaping, you mean like the order of things, mm-hmm. kind of? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you know, so... Natalie, or even also how much of the monster, how much of the woman, how much of the mm-hmm. alien? Yeah, so I feel like most of it, I mean, a lot of it, I was just trying to fill in the characters when I was writing. Um, and then... So you almost treated oh, it like a novel that way. I, yeah, I guess I did. I mean, I am definitely a poet. Like, you don't understand a poet. I don't understand writing in longer form, really. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't wrap my brain around how someone makes a novel or like a something like that because I love to read novels and fiction and nonfiction. In fact, I find it a lot more relaxing than reading poetry, but I can't wrap my brain around actually doing it. So um, with these, I'd say some of it was filling in characters and just developing developing them, but some of it too was just like when certain things would pop up for me personally, like, oh, that's really interesting, um, like a fact about something. Like there's a poem in there about that talks about great white sharks. And I heard that on a radio show one day and thought, oh, like that there anyway, sometimes things will just stick in my brain and I'll be like, oh, how could that fit into this series of poems that I'm doing? And then um I would say I, I mean, it took me a long time to write this book. It took over 10 years. <laughs> so right. it, I would say, after I had, I was most of it, and I knew it was getting close that I needed to put it together. And that kind of scared me to put it together. Like, is this all going to hold together? Because it is pretty crazy. Like, Utah and aliens and a monster and a lady and then Utah history. How is this all going to hold together? So I think at that point, I started to think, how will this hold together? And I started researching more actual facts about the Great Salt Lake and its history, which is what you were talking about before. There's little poems cut throughout 
that um, like history of the Great Salt Lake that I sprinkled throughout to try and hold it all together. And then there's some other, I guess what I was calling like haikus or stacked haikus, but haikus not really the correct word for it because they're not real um, haiku forms, but they are 575 to just try and fill in some information that maybe people who aren't from Utah or don't know a lot about Utah or its history would help them as they read through the other poems. But I didn't want to just barf out history in between the poems, basically. So I tried to make some smaller poems to just glue it all together. And I think because I do uh, run Sugar House Review and have put together so many of those issues, it was a little bit easier to try and figure out the order of the poems. And also because it's probably easier than a lot of people's manuscripts because there is a bit of a timeline going through and how the relationships between the different characters work. So there's a little bit of a timeline with them. And then I think, you know, once I got put together, I would ask people, well, what do you, do you feel like something's missing? Like, do I need anything else? And then again, my husband, Nano, you know, would say, I think you need something more about, he's the one who actually pushed me to put some more Mormon things in it to try and tie it together. Because I think I was avoiding it. Yeah. And, you know, just for personal, personal reasons, but I hope it all ties together okay. I don't think I realized how, this is gonna sound silly to anyone who has read this book, but I don't think I realized how Mormon or how Utah it was until it was all put together and people were reading it and telling me it was. Yeah, why did you, well, that's probably a silly question. Why did you avoid it? I mean, avoid avoid Mormon stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, a growing up Mormon, and then not I am not practicing any longer, so that can be very touchy. Mm -hmm. Can be touchy personally, and also for friends and family who are still believing, practicing members, um, because it, you know, to a lot of people who aren't familiar, who didn't grow up with it, it can seem just like oh. Mormons are so interesting and peculiar and, you know, they are, they are, uh, but also when it's actually a part of your life and your family, it's really serious. And if you are not doing it anymore, it can be very hurtful to your friends and family who are. Yeah. Yeah. And writing about it doesn't, people might think it makes it easier, but it doesn't. But I did, you know, I, the the poem that I did love and that I earmarked about being Mormon was what she misses about being Mormon. I thought that was a beautiful poem. You know, I thought that was, I grew up Catholic and I'm no longer Catholic. And I have, that poem really spoke to me. You know, it was like, I miss, I don't know, I miss, you know, I miss a lot of things that are beautiful um, about the church, you know? And so that's, that, that poem really spoke to me. Brandon gave us the five minutes. So okay. yeah, we, I know it goes by fast, doesn't it? Goes by really fast. Yeah. Well, it does for me. You might be over there, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the five minute mark, I always like to ask, like, is there anything about this collection that we didn't talk about here or that you have because I know you've been you've been doing a few of these lately. I've seen it 
um, which is great, which is fabulous. Is there stuff that you maybe you haven't talked about here or in other interviews, podcasts about the collection that you would like to share with, with our audience? I don't know if there's anything specific that I want to talk about. I guess I'll give a little plug for the book itself. Um, the book that you can buy right now is a limited edition, hardback, full color, has all of the illustrations in it, has a little uh, vellum dust jacket on it. So though th that particular version of the book is in low stock and there's not very many left uh but it will the next version the next step is just a paperback version which i'm not sure if it will be in full color or not it will have the illustrations but um so if you want the really cool version you better <laughs> go get it quick from quarter press's um website and it is it is it is beautiful yeah you should go get it quick brandon if you want to read it yes. Yes. thank you thank you yes absolutely um and, and to let everybody know, too, that Natalie will be reading for the Utah Book Festival, 2023 Utah Book Festival, in Helper on October 21st for the Helper Reading Series. We will drop all of that information about where Natalie will be reading. And Natalie, if you ever want to send us anything, we can put it there as well. If you're having other readings coming up um, and send it to us at Utah Humanities, we'd, we'd love to share it. But if you want to see Natalie read during the festival, uh, October 21st for the Helper Reading Series. We will drop all that information in the podcast notes. Today we're talking with uh, Natalie Padilla-Young uh, about all of this was once underwater, her collection of speculative fiction, poems, all of it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. 